Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. (laughs) So, I think my... Uh, my much-touted hot take on Star Wars Episode One is unfortunately a lot less hot uh, than it was five or ten years ago because I Googled it today and I saw a bunch <laughs> of, you know, crazy articles talking about it. And so I guess it's not uh, that hot anymore. But ten years ago, it was pretty, you know, it really shocked people. So I'll go ahead and hit me with it because I usually try to stay away from such things. So I'm sure it's, it'll be new to me. Well, so uh, I have a direct quote uh, from Walter Murch. Do you know, you know who Walter Murch is, right? Yes. Okay. So if anyone doesn't, Walter Murch is the editor of Apocalypse Now and he was involved with American Zotrope and he came up with Lucas and uh, Ford Coppola and all those people. And so he's a pretty, um, you know, trustworthy source when it comes to things that are said, you know, around, uh, George Lucas during this, during the time period of the original Star Wars. Like several years ago, I read a book that was a collection of interviews with Walter Murch between him and the author of the English patient whose name is Michael uh, Odantwe and it's called the conversations Walter Murch and the art of editing film. So here's the direct quote that I'm going to read from it. 
Originally, George Lucas was going to direct Apocalypse Now, so it was a project that George and John developed for Zotrope. That was back in 1969. Then, when Warner Brothers canceled the financing for Zotrope, the project was abandoned for a while. After the success of American Graffiti in 1973, George wanted to revive it, but it was still too hot a topic. Uh, The war was still on, and nobody wanted to finance something like that. So George considered his options. What did he really want to say in Apocalypse Now? The message boiled down to the ability of a small group of people to defeat a gigantic power simply by the force of their convictions. And he decided, all right, if it's politically too hot as a contemporary subject, I'll put the essence of the story in outer space and make it happen in a galaxy long ago, far and far away. The rebel group were the North Vietnamese, and the Empire was the United States. And if you have the force, no matter how small you are, you can defeat the overwhelmingly big power. Star Wars is George's transubstantiated version of Apocalypse Now. And so, end direct quote. I'd say uh, everything turned out as it should. (laughs) Well, so, okay, so the reason I've always found this interesting, uh, you know, beyond the... The Like some people will say, well, you're reading too much into it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think Walter Murch is a pretty trustworthy subject uh, on this matter. And to me, what's interesting about it is that Star Wars comes out, becomes a huge unexpe- unexpected hit. It defines what summer blockbusters are. And then about five years after that, you, you've got Ronald Reagan uh, using Star Wars, at, you know, in order to... Uh, uh, in order to, uh, you know, build like hype around a military, you know, defense project. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's been been synonymous with, you know, America ever since. Uh, and isn't it funny that <laughs> that that like deep down it was meant as a political subtext, uh, you know, that many people in the, in the late 70s would have found extremely offensive uh, had it been spelled out for them. Uh, you, you know, in, in any other movie. Uh, I, I've always found that interesting. I think it's really interesting and tragic, uh, the life that George Lucas uh, had after Star Wars. Uh, and, and I know you're going to throw yeah. it back at me. Oh, yeah, millions of dollars, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what uh, did he, uh, four billion? Is that what he sold this, uh, you know, his little... Uh... His little action figure series, have, to Disney too. Have you ever seen an interview with, with him where you thought, "Oh yeah, that looks." He looks happy. He looks really happy. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he looks <laughs> how I project him to be, which is incredibly lazy. Like you have this cash cow, and he's kind of like a way more successful Kevin Smith to me. You know, Ke- Kevin Smith has this propensity to just shoot his mouth off about making Clerks three, Marats two. Uh, he just announced a new Jay and Bob. He's always talking about like what he's going to do. And he just, you know, he makes this podcast and he smokes a lot of weed. George Lucas, I, I, I remember seeing interviews with him. I remember reading about him that, you know, he just wanted to get away from the success of Star Wars and make his small personal films. He never did. Like what you, you have all the capability, all the power in the world, all the money to finance your, your own, you know, personal artistic endeavors and dreams. And he kept making you know, not just movies, but movies to sell toys. So I don't have too much sympathy for the guy. And if, if that's all he wanted to do, then fine. But don't, you know, don't try to uh, shine me on, you know, in one ear saying that you're, you're really just this, uh, you know, this filmmaker because 
how many aspiring artists and filmmakers would like billions of dollars to just finance whatever uh, stories or whims they have to tell the world and instead choose to do nothing to make you know, many different versions of Indiana Jones over and over again to take it to damn TV or make Star Wars cartoons. Like, I don't know. But like, wh- how did he spend his... Why, why is he tragic to you? Because it seems like he had all the uh, ability and all the power in the world to uh, to do whatever he wanted after the success of Star Wars. Well, that sounds like a tragedy too. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he's like a... You know, <laughs> I'm not saying he's like a victim, uh, you know. To, it's not like a victim tragedy. I, I just think the whole story... It, you know, it is a tragedy uh, because he had this, these really great three films co- that completely redefine uh, filmmaking forever. Uh, and then the, he becomes absorbed by his own creation. And yeah, yeah, a big part of that is is on him. Uh, I come down on him really hard for the movie we're going to talk about, uh, which, you know, doesn't need any more discussion this is uh, like i just want to tell you're, everyone i'm sorry you're gonna be the one huh <laughs> you're, you're gonna be the one to, to kick on uh poor phantom menace while it's down you know <laughs> so far in its you know, first two decades of existence uh i think the internet's been pretty soft on it but you're gonna you're gonna put on the hard hat and uh really take it i, task, I can't so tell if I'm you're being sarcastic it. i really can't <laughs> like because i just like to me the whole thing is why are people still talking about it like, like you, you go on youtube and there are like these like three hour uh you know visual commentaries of people talking about uh, star wars the phantom menace and how they would have done it differently or blah 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 uh like there's been all this talk and analysis of it um and there's just there there's nothing worth uh talking about in it It, it's a it's a happy meal it's literally like like a happy meal uh that has been packaged up to be sold to people and it was successful at that and and you know lucas made a lot of money and Fox made a lot of money, but but what a waste of time for for everyone who was involved and for everyone who saw it. Uh, la, 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 and 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 in the same way that the original Star Wars trilogy like redefined filmmaking, uh, Phantom Menace has redefined filmmaking for the worse and had a really really bad impact. I think this hmm. whole uh, element of the 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 green screen uh, screensaver background, uh, where where you know it doesn't matter that we can't that we don't believe the environment that the characters are in. Uh, isn't it pretty and colorful and doesn't it look uh, like it was created by expensive technology? Uh, it doesn't, I, there's not a single moment in this movie where I really buy that the characters are in the place that they're, that they're supposed to be in. Uh, look, and, ben, and so <laughs> you say that, but I remember people talking about how Yoda looks like shit. And so I feel like the worst thing I can say about the prequel series is that Mr. Lucas, there was a push and pull of, I guess his instincts and then an overcorrection to the criticism, like you you see later on in the series, where you know Jar Jar Banks is basically written out, even though he's a character written for four year olds. Like I I remember, wh- I watched this. I was uh, sixteen when this came out in theaters, and I was excited. I was a big Star Wars uh, fan. Grew up with him on VHS tapes, and my little brother was my youngest brother. I you know he was probably like in kindergarten, first grade. When this came out, he loved Jar Jar. And uh, like, I had to actually check myself as like a moody teenager thinking like, God, why are, you know, why isn't this, <laughs> why isn't this more serious? So like what's with all the, the, the stupid characters and all the stupid jokes and the pratfalls. And then I'm thinking like, oh yeah, cause this is a cartoon. It's aimed at kids. So I never had 
the out and out hatred for this. I, I actually, you're kind of going a different way than what I expected <laughs> because when I rewatched this, because it, uh, I, you know, I, pro- I know I, I watched it multiple times, but it, I probably checked in on it again whenever, like, you know, episode two or episode three was coming out. And that was about the extent of it. Um, I watch it now and I feel like it is so far removed from current franchise filmmaking that I think it actually feels kind of quaint and feels it feels like it's 40 or 50 years uh outside of where we are now with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe like it you know it is a singular story that takes its time and seems to be you know it seems to be paced completely differently than certainly like how JJ Abrams has done it with like Force Awakens like I, I don't know I think that it's it's very old fashioned uh watching it so I maybe I kind of enjoyed it that that way it's sort of a time capsule but to your point on the visual effects i i think it is probably a big warning sign that uh whatever fancy new technology you're using is gonna look pretty bad you know three four or five years down the road i tell that to people all the time and they don't believe me like they just like every single like person always thinks that their visual effects, their t- the, the way they look in their movies of their time is going to be the standard. It's going to be judged, you know, forever. Uh, and unless you're watching, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, and a handful of other movies, it really, it really isn't. Um, you know, they, how dare you? Visual how dare you? Age, so without you know. naming it, you're, you're really tackling the giant of the industry, which is who framed Roger Rabbit. I love who framed Roger Rabbit. I love who framed Roger Rabbit. You, know, you, you, you got a problem with the way it looks? I think no, it looks pretty no, good. I'm sorry. I made that was an overgeneralization, but, but I think you okay. get what I'm saying. Like, you know, in general, all these Marvel movies and everything in 10 years time, people are going to hate them, uh, and think they look dopey and stupid. Uh, and that's just the way it goes. Like even even movies like Sky Captain and the the World of Tomorrow and everything. Mm. Like if we were to look back on that, I'm sure we would we would think it was hokey uh, and badly rendered uh, and, and animated and everything. Um, but I'll, okay, I'll say I'll say something good about Star Wars Episode One. Uh, I really like Darth Maul. I think they've created a good villain really, there. Really going down on a limb I'm gonna, there, Well, ben. I'm going down that line. I'm going down the line of, you know, I really like Darth Maul, but it also highlights a problem with the movie, that the movie doesn't know what to do with a good character when it has it. Um, you know, and so I, I guess I... Kill I, him I, off. Yeah, That's what you do. Exactly. It's like... <laughs> So that way, many years later, they can try to bring him back, but the, you know, the moment, moment clearly had passed. I, f- I mean, I just had it. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like for it Darth been, Maul, I feel like it would have been way better to just have made made him, you know, the 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 arch enemy or whatever of the of this prequel tr- trilogy, sure. make, and, and you know, make him the Vader, the cool villain, yeah, but yeah. without the uh, the family connections. You know, he he's just he's just a physical presence that's uh, constantly going to hound Obi Wan and whoever else, Anakin, I guess, throughout the series. Sure, or do something, do something with him. Uh, well, but it's I don't a know shame. if you can have the the devil horned, you know, the guy that looks like he's going to uh, uh, New Jersey Devils hockey game. I don't know if you can have him talk too much. I, I think you know, keeping his dialogue to a minimum, like in holographic form, where he basically just says like, you know, yes sir, no sir, 
that's good enough i don't know just just keep him to like you know prancing around doing flips and I, yeah. fighting with the lightsaber everything about the presentation of him works really well him being really silent and all that it, you know that's all great i just i just think it's a shame that the one really good element of the movie uh is done away with with you know without without much of a payoff uh and you then like uh mcgregor you don't like his version of obi-wan what uh, kind of like <laughs> I like it. I like. I, think I don't. Kind of like I don't a... like any actor in this movie. I think it's a real shame that Jake Lloyd got. Uh, uh, you know, a, you have to give. You have to give Jake Lloyd a lot of credit because he's giving mm. as good a performance <laughs> as Liam Neeson is in this movie. And so, for you, you know, <sighs> considering Liam Neeson is one of the great actors, you know, of our I time. I think you're just wrong. I think you're wrong on that because you know. As a kid, I'm sure you know you would want to play with the Liam Neeson character, and you don't want to play with the Jake Lloyd character. So at least there's something to aspire to. I don't to, want to. I don't want to play being... with any of them. They they look very. They all look bored. They See, all. See, I, look... I don't think McGregor does. <laughs> I think he has buy-in. I think he's playing this episode one version of Obi Wan is like a, you know, he's like one of the uh, secondary characters from like Top Gun. You know, he's not quite Tom Cruise, but he's just like a, a hot shot. He just you know. He's uh he's really happy to be a Jedi. You know, he he thinks he's slick. He thinks he's cool. And I I like that version of Obi-Wan. They every single performance in this movie, it looks like they've just been given a very confusing line reading from George Lucas and they don't want they want to get it right on the second take uh cuz they don't want him to get pissed off cuz he has food being delivered the, uh, or something. Uh What was the Harrison Ford bit where it was like you know you sure can write this shit george but you can't say it like that was you know, just just totally frustrated with everything i don't know does it give more credit to uh the original actors because you have definitely. to assume the process definitely. is the same okay definitely. and and you know i think i think you know that those movies were put together differently uh you know there was more there was more of an effort uh and i and i think here they knew what they had was going to be successful no matter what. So plot wise, you have this really silly uh, thing with Amidala and, and Padme, uh, you know, being switched back and forth a few times. We have searched you out because we wish to form an ally. Your honor. Usadis. I am Queen Amidala. Huh? This is my decoy, my protection, my loyal bodyguard. I'm sorry for my deception, but it was necessary to protect myself. Uh, which is not intriguing, not interesting, not surprising when it's revealed. <laughs> the, the the reaction shot on Jake Lloyd says it all. Just like, huh? Like, you know. I'm uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, that, that is a genuine, like, chuckling for me. That <laughs> I guess I never once considered that it's supposed to be, like, you know, a palace of intrigue with the, the plot well, line. It's like an I attempt just... at it. It's an attempt at it. I mean, why is it there? It's not, if it's not supposed to be surprising <laughs> to, to impress the, uh, the Gungans, I guess, you know, just to, to give a, a rousing rah, rah speech there. But yeah, I just assumed it was something that like, everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's the queen's thing. Just let her have it. Just, <laughs> just don't acknowledge it. You know, just, just like uh, certain rock stars only want, you know, certain colored M&Ms in their uh, green room. I just, I, that's what, that's my reading of it was just, everyone knows, but they're just playing along with it. So I don't know what more we can say about it. I, I didn't really touch on Jar Jar. I didn't really touch on Jar Jar. But I think he's a badly, badly put together character. Uh, <laughs> Dan, I'm trying you're just going down the list. Well, okay, <laughs> I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jar Jar's pretty bad. <laughs> we... <laughs> 
20 years later, we're finally going to put well, a bow on episode one. there's nothing more one. to say about it. And I know you're, you're defending it because you're saying it's meant for children, but I don't think kids today would, would still like this. Uh, and, and, you know, and I don't think we should, gra- I don't think movies should always be graded on a curve because there is a difference between good family entertainment and bad family entertainment. And like, for example, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that's aimed at kids, but it's, but it's still great today. Uh, and, and Mary Poppins and, and, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that's aimed for younger people that, that isn't this bad. Uh, and well, <laughs> here's a question for you. Do you think the general public thought, oh, this is a train wreck. This is garbage. This is awful. Cause I didn't, I didn't realize it was like the top grossing film that year. And I'm trying to remember back that summer. I remember it being considered like a disappointment, but I don't remember, you know, people weeping in the streets. Like my God, they've ruined <laughs> Star Wars. Like, like it would become, like, it seems like when you got like, three to five years away from it, people were like, we survived that great devastation that, you know, Lucas has, has brought to cinemas. And I don't remember the initial reaction being that. I remember with it ending on Duel of the Fates with that awesome um, lightsaber fight between the, the two Jedi and the, the Sith. I, I think it kind of ends on a high note where my reading of it with my friends was like, man, the second one's going to be cool. Like, yeah, yeah, we got all the, all the stuff we have to get out of the way, that's, you know, whatever. But, you know, when we, we get away from the kid, we get less Jar Jar, it'll be fine, it'll be good. And I don't think that really set in. And I, I put more blame on episode two than I do episode one, as far as the cynicism and the negativity that is still to this day attached to Star Wars fandom. See, I've always kind of enjoyed the second one and the third one a little bit. Like, they're not good movies. Uh, so Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith, they're not good movies. I enjoy them a little bit more. Uh, the, I, I enjoy them more than this. Uh, I remember this as being very polarizing when it first came out. And, and if you look it up, it act, it did get nominated. Uh, I believe every single one of the Star Wars prequels got nominated uh, for the Razzie that year. Uh, and despite that, you know, uh, this was, this, this is the highest grossing film of uh, 1999. Uh, so obviously some people liked it. Uh, and <laughs> A good number of people because they didn't just go once. They went back for seconds, thirds and fourths. And uh, yeah, I think this is the start of the whole. Well, we were looking forward to that movie so much. We don't really care whether we liked it or not or whether it was good or not. And I and I and I, and I blame Phantom Menace for that. I don't hmm. I can't I can't think of another example of that prior to this. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of movies that are of their time that you might look back on and say, oh yeah, that we all love that then, but it's not very good today. But there's not a lot of movies that were like event, uh, successes, uh, and everything that were also very polarizing upon arrival that I can think of prior to, prior one? yeah prior okay. to episode and now that happens all the time like you know i mean i think ready player one is probably a good example uh correct i don't know i don't listen to twitter <laughs> anymore so i think that one well that one was more polarizing before it even got to uh spielberg's hands as far as the i guess the book or um it's sort of like there, there, there's a lot of negativity based on just uh that being considered like a wikipedia uh I guess multiple Wikipedia entries as opposed to like a proper novel. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like that's, I'm trying to go back and I think then, I don't know, back then it was more just like if something was successful, there was just the, the common refrain that like, you know, the sequels are never as good. Like, um, 
the Lost World uh, a couple of years before this. I remember, you know, people were like, well, that, you know, obviously that's so far like removed from Jurassic Park, which even at the time was like, you know, being revered as some sort of classic pretty, pretty quickly, I think. Uh, yeah, people were disappointed. I don't know. I guess I give Lost World uh, a different kind of reception because I personally really like it. Uh, and I've never, yeah, I've never understood. I feel like the people who disliked the Lost World were the people who it wasn't aimed at in the first place, like at all. Hmm. Uh, and I know you're going to throw that back at me and say that that's the case <laughs> with the Phantom Menace, but I don't think you're right because I really like, I've gone back and revisited, you know, the original trilogy and I really like it. I really enjoy it. And it's really strong work uh, for, you know, from everyone involved with every one of those movies. And this is not, this is terrible. Uh, this, like this is truly, um, okay. I'll say the other good, nice thing about Phantom Menace. Uh, you brought it up already. Duel of the Fates is a very good song. Very nice. Very good. <laughs> it's very good. Okay. All right. Um, have you ever seen the uh, the I guess the the Phantom Edit proper? I don't, I don't, there's probably no. many different versions now. Is it any good? <laughs> uh, it probably makes Duel of the Fates even better because there's they they don't cut away to Anakin like in his little jokes as he, as he yeah. faces imminent you know death up in space after he uh you know hot rods it up there uh, in a nabu uh, starfighter but um i don't know it's see to me that's that's the uh the biggest pain point uh coming out of phantom menace is i feel it was the start of fandom taking ownership of something that they really they don't have any right to like i don't i don't like fan fiction i don't like fan theories on anything i just want to pay my money to who you know the <laughs> the appropriate people who have gone through the proper channels <laughs> to make this shit and in this this is like of all properties like you know you can you can make an argument with like the mcu you know marvel as far as these are characters that have been passed down through multiple generations of you know different creators blah 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 but this is lock stock this is george lucas at least at this time before he sold it to disney this was his baby his characters and as far as i can tell uh i didn't go back and watch it but i remember watching that uh like hour hour and a half long documentary that was on the dvd uh that kind of followed the entire process and it, it was it did feel like he, he was trying to get a monkey off his back like all right never should have uh you know put those first ones down as episode four or five and six because i guess <laughs> oh you one through three <laughs> but it's like of all things this is it's his story so if you don't like it you know make your own shit you know don't don't be like jj abrams and just wait around till you can like take it over or you get the keys to to dad's car uh, which we're also seeing now with like, you know, Reitman literally taking over his like father's franchise with Ghostbusters. So for me, that's that's the worst thing coming out of Phantom Menace. It's not the movie. It's not something I like, <laughs> even for this episode, I really didn't like want to revisit it. Uh, I couldn't wait to get to our next one, which I, I'll just, uh, you know, kind of tease a little bit. Being a rom-com, I was way, way uh, ahead of like wanting to get to that because I'm like, oh, this will actually be enjoyable. But I I, th- I think that uh, the movie is <laughs> bad to fine is what I'll say about Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, see, you were you were coming off so defensive about it like t- fifteen minutes ago, and now and now you're like you're, you're grading it as bad to fine. Uh, well, 
Because I'm actually thinking, like, what is the likelihood that I'll watch it again in my lifetime? And yeah. uh, not, it's Zero. not good. Zero. No. Yeah. I would hope. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that honestly goes for, like, the entire prequel trilogy. And I'm like you. I, I remember liking the third one. Like, might have been the only one I actually came out and said, I, I, I like that. That being said, I have not watched it since the theatrical experience. Never watched it on video, and I think there's a part of me that's like, I remember enjoying that. I'm not going to revisit it. Like, let's just let's just leave it there. That that was the end of it, and um, I don't know. I, I guess my my defense of Phantom Menace is it's just an easy punching bag, and I think even in 1999, there's so many other films I'm going to consider far worse. Like when we revisited Never Been Kissed, I found that to be appalling and atrocious, like some sort of like war crime on humanity in general. And I was shocked that <laughs> I had that response to it. So even if we were just doing a modern podcast week to week covering new releases, I, I don't think Phantom Menace would be cracking my like top 10 worst of the year. It's the amount of time that people have invested into it, watching it, that I find offensive. I the, It's not the movie <laughs> itself. The movie itself, okay, George Lucas wanted to get a paycheck. Everyone involved like was just going along with that, I'm sure. Uh, whatever. Um, well, that's lazy do you really believe that? that? Yes, I completely believe that. See, it, I don't, it, I don't believe the, that from the actors. I think after this, they, I think Fox okay. stepped in <laughs> and did something and hi- hired like really cr- good creative producers who could at least get the the second and third prequel movies into a place where they could where they wouldn't piss off the audience to the point where they would stop coming back. Uh, I, I don't think it's a paycheck gig from the actors. I I truly believe that they thought yeah you know, they were they were going to be a part of this uh you know this this historic thing like we're going to go back and revisit Star Wars. And yeah, they they probably looked at the scripts and like, well, that's not great. But, but I'm you not, know, they, not the actors, not the, the actors. I don't okay. think they're in it for the paycheck. I think they probably gave up, you know, at a certain point, probably day four, <laughs> I would think. Uh, I don't I don't think McGregor ever gave up. I think his Obi-Wan, I think that's why there's... This is autopilot like for McGregor. This is why, I mean, he's looking oh, kind of, you know... Like like preppy and and you know uh, plucky and all that. That's just what he does. Like it's just well, yeah, he's very charming. <laughs> I mean, look at Liam Neeson; he can be charming too. And look what he did. This so is, I, this, know, is this is he could have done so much more to quote him uh, from another movie. <laughs> <laughs> at least there's some hustle. There's some Charlie hustle and McGregor. I, I don't know. I think there's a reason that fans want him to return as that character. Like you know, I don't think Ooh, he's tainted. Who are these from people? This. <laughs> Well, you know, Solo ruined that uh, as far as like, but yeah, there were a lot of people that seemed to want like a Kenobi, you know, movie, just like there was going to be a Boba Fett movie and all that junk. Thankfully, I guess we're saved for that for the time. I being, guess it's all <laughs> gone downhill at this point. America, America <laughs> turned against a Solo story. Uh, that's the triumph there, uh, Ben. You know, you started this podcast talking about the you know, this, <laughs> this small group of, of people, uh, just through their <laughs> sheer force of will. And I think that's, that's America. We conquered solo and we, we caused Disney to, you know, stop laying down the train tracks, uh, for the next 50 years of a star Wars movie every six months. There you go. I mean, I think previous generations had much bigger accomplishments mm. and it's kind of sad that, that, that these are like the, the, the conflicts of our time. Uh, I don't like- think so. <laughs> I go to the movies a lot, and I think I, I appreciate <laughs> this victory more than, I don't know. Did polio even exist, Ben? 
<laughs> there are people working on that too. I'm sure the <laughs> the anti-vaxxers are trying so, to to bring some more popular uh, diseases back for us. So I know it's going to be a controversial subject to talk about, and we can only really go on your opinion because I didn't see it. But you know, I heard from a lot of people that they didn't like the Last Jedi because they felt that there were that there was inappropriate political subtext that either came either they they thought it came off as corny or either they didn't like it because they didn't agree with it um but but I, but again i see that as another irony that 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 lucas uh you know originally uh you know wanted this to be a parallel to vietnam uh hmm. 30 years later uh it is now being undone because someone else is more forcibly uh, you know, put like putting that stuff in, into this, uh, you know, if, if, if you go off of the people who are claiming that and only we can only go on your opinion because I haven't seen it. Well, that last Jedi was great. I, it may, you know, it's the, the closest thing I think I'll ever see to another great Star Wars movie. Um, I don't, I don't understand the political points. I, I can't really speak to. I mean, it, it's <laughs> pretty basic stuff like that's in the original. It's in the text of the, uh, the Star Wars, you know, mythology as far as giving into hate, uh, even if it is for supposedly a greater good. Uh, I, you know, I'm a fairly left leaning guy uh, in my politics, and uh, I, you know, that's I, I have <laughs> great distress when I look at uh, at least the 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 left I see represented on Twitter. <laughs> they did not heed that lesson of Last Jedi. <laughs> they give into hate every single day. And, uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know who you're talking to necessarily, but, uh, no, I, I, I think that, uh, Last Jedi, I mean, it's as corny as the original is. This is a series based around a young man getting his dad's laser sword and getting to swing it around. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just some of that stuff you embrace or you don't. It's just, you know, it's just part of the, the, the good canon that way. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it should be super serious and i also think there's you know like any other like attempt at a fairy tale there's some you know pretty basic life lessons that you're just trying to pass on to to kids who want to watch a movie with laser swords and last jedi does fit in that uh that box it's still a kid's movie see i think you i think you may have lost your uh chance at getting a job at kathleen kennedy's office uh <laughs> with, with that last you know uh diatribe you went on <laughs> I, I guess uh, I don't. I don't know how comfortable that uh, that seat would be anyway, given, <laughs> given the direction. Well, of the yeah, series. you have one more one more movie, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been there for, uh, the, for till till December two thousand nineteen, <laughs> and then and then it's over. I mean, <laughs> I mean, anyone who's listening uh, is probably thinking like, man, he's really trying to get a job on the Kenobi crew because he is just like going to bat for McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi. But I like the guy. I like his version of the character. Yeah, I don't see that happening. So uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see a lot of things happening, <laughs> but, but uh, it'll all be fine. That, that's the, that's the biggest lesson from episode one. Everything's fine, um, and also things can get much worse. So you've already teased it, but uh, next week is going to be Notting Hill. In that regard, things will not get much worse because I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a layup, you know, whatever we picked uh, post uh, episode one. And I don't remember if this was the like actual like following weekend 
that uh, Notting Hill came out or if it uh, there were so many movies trying to get away from the, the sort of tidal wave of a new Star Wars film. But uh, it's the one we chose to cover and it is coming at, uh, I think, just the right time for you and I. So this is why I love Box Office Mojo. Box Office Mojo is always good for this stuff. It was the direct next weekend uh, after Phantom Menace came out. And it, uh, you know, was number two at the box office. Isn't that nice, though? Like, yeah. if you're a movie mm-hmm. fan, like, wouldn't you, like, there's so many event movies now. And, like, uh, even uh, Us, which I, I didn't care for. Um, Shocked. You know, <laughs> well, you know, if you're talking about movies on the Internet, I, I think that's that is a shocking take to say I didn't really like that. Um, why did you see? But, you why know, did you see it? I want to know. Us? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I thought Get Out was all right. Like, you know, why not? Why not give uh, this one a shot? It's, it's not like Jordan Peele has harmed me with it. I, d- I didn't think Keanu was such an offensive comedy that uh, I'd never uh, support this man again. I just didn't think it was funny. But uh, yeah, us. Anyway, my point, Ben, is uh, <laughs> I would have liked for us to come out. I think originally closer to Captain Marvel to give me something else that I was kind of like intrigued by. But instead, you know, they they scurry around and try to put like two or three weeks of uh, nothingness mm-hmm. in between bigger releases and uh it sucks. I mean it's uh they the <laughs> modern uh you know movie studios are basically telling you uh hey just stay at home, watch Hulu, watch Netflix. Uh we're only going to open our doors. Uh we're only anticipating to open our doors uh to any great number of you, you know, a couple times a month at most. Well, it's hard and it sucks. It's hard now to build that kind of buzz around something that isn't uh, a baked in property or doesn't have some sort of genre appeal, um, you know, and so a romantic comedy, you know, the, the, those always, in, in, from a marketing standpoint, those always come off as very general. You know, you could take Annie Hall and you could cut like five different trailers uh, for it and, and the, you know, they would all be kind of kind of the same, um, you know, and so it, that's tough. And uh, it's kind of, a, and, you know, it's it's a shame uh, and I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any other big romantic comedies, uh, you know, ever. <laughs> That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my feeling, on, right. my feeling on us is that I saw part of a trailer and I didn't understand what the hell the premise was. I it it just seemed it just seemed generally unpleasant, and I. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've got a pretty good sense of it. Um, I would say the the premise is good. Uh, it's the uh, not you know I won't give any sort of spoilers in case you may be interested in it, but it is not the explanation. It is the bending over backwards uh, desire to even have an explanation that I think is the, really the undoing of uh, this particular film. I don't know. Back in my like back it. in my day, movies had hooks that you could easily explain to someone without giving away anything. And you know, I don't <laughs> think I ever want to see this this us. You know. <laughs> And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99